بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب شح لي صدري وسر لي أمري وحن العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل أبداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والنية والهداء إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم افتح أقفال قلوبنا بذكرك وأتمم علينا نعمتك ورحمتك Amin ya Rabbil Alameen Beloved brothers and sisters Dear listeners, dear students Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We praise Allah Azza wa Jalla And we thank Him for His uh, countless blessings upon all of us And we ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to send the choicest of blessings upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We ask Allah Azza wa Jalla to make this gathering of ours extremely beneficial for all of us who are here Allow us to share such things that will be a means of as rejuvenating our iman, removing any and all doubts, answering any questions, and giving us a re- renewed a purpose for our existence. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He makes this gathering heavy in our scales. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillah, with just a few weeks away, we're reaching the halfway mark this weekend of Sha'ban, and the, of course the, the train is moving at a very, very fast rate. Naturally, as we are uh, plowing through season after season, month after month, and naturally year after year, uh, before we know it, subhanAllah, we're still remembering how last Ramadan was spent, and it is right now at our doorstep. So a person must take time out regularly to be able to reflect and slow down uh, in their life to see what is uh, what is we are lacking and what is that we must do to make the most use of not just Ramadan and Sha'ban but generally speaking life itself Uh, and it's amazing how many people of the past in such short spans of life they were able to accomplish things that baffles us when we read about their lives and we read about in how many years in how many few years they were able to accomplish so much like so many ulama who wrote books it is shocking to see and to think that in their short span of 50, 55, 60 years, max, uh, many of them, that's it, not 90 or 100, they were able to write so many volumes and so many different books on so many different fields that in our lives we don't even get the tawfiq and the ability in that span of life to even simply go through the titles of those books, much less open them, read through the table of contents or read through the book itself. And we wonder, what type of world are we living in? Are we living in a different world, different dimension? How is it that they were able to accomplish all of that? So there's no barakah. Time is flying, and there's just simply no barakah. And one of the signs of the hour is, يَتَقَارَبُ zaman That there'll be time wrap. And so, so ulama have explained, what does this time wrap mean? Some people have said that, like we said here, that time will be the same, but the fact that you, the output will not be as it used to be. The output from that time will not be what it used to be. Uh, or it will be physically, actually, in reality, things, time will actually speed up because, um, you know, that's just one of the signs of the hour. Things will start going much, uh, this, uh, as, we, as the train comes to an end. It's going to be speeding to its last stop. And so time will be speeding, a year will be like a month, a month will be like a week, a week will be like a day eventually. 
Some have said that the, the, the time is, is, is very fast, meaning that due to the difficulty of the era, the fitnas of the era, and how challenging it will be to remain a practicing Muslim, uh, that's what that is referring to. So these are all many, many things that we're witnessing. Knowledge will decrease, ignorance will increase, and so forth. So now here we find ourselves uh, at the, at the uh, doorstep of Ramadan again. And in order to make the most use of this blessed month, the, the, more, the preparation that is done before Ramadan is seriously most important than anything else. A person who has to take an exam, then a big exam, a board exam, or some sort of certification exam, we know that when the exam starts, yes, we become serious. But to become serious when the, during the exam is of no benefit if a person did not prepare in advance. If a person did not prepare in advance, then becoming serious at that time, unfortunately, is not going to help much. If a person became serious prior to this exam and started preparing, then there is hope that they will do well. So Ramadan is definitely an amazing time. But you know, what will determine what we will take from this month is what happens prior to this. The type of preparations, the type of fikr and concern we have before the arrival of this guest will determine what we take from it. Just like Umrah and Hajj and such journeys that the more preparation that goes into these trips, leading up to these trips, the output will be greater. And I mean preparation, I mean spiritual preparation, academic, ilmi preparation, knowing the masail of Umrah and Hajj, learning the fada'il of Umrah and Hajj, learning the virtues of Madinah al-Munawwara, learning the virtues of Tawaf, learning the virtues of the Ka'batullah, learning the virtues of Zamzam, learning the virtues of Saint Salam upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, learning the virtue of the soil of these places, learning the virtue of Salah and, and Sadaqah in such places. When a person learns these things and learns and understands the importance of tawbah, then even a few days in these blessed cities leaves a very powerful, uh, you know, long-lasting effect on a person's soul and heart. But if a person right out of work catches a flight and lands into these Mubarak cities uh, in a matter of 12 or 20 hours, then what you take away from it is not as much. Because you go in unprepared. You go in something as simple as, you know, maybe not the best example, but just saying something as simple as a sale. Sale, how much you're saving? Usually you jack up the price and, and then you give 10% off, right? Increase it by, or 20% off. Increase it the pre, pri, pre, 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 previous weeks before the sale, increase it sometimes to 50%. And then on a big sale event, reduce it by 20. Everyone gets excited. So many times we all have been there. I've seen it all. But look at how, what the preparation happens just for something as youth want to get a special discount on Black Friday. What do they do? Oh, not even youth. Adults, men, women, everyone. They're reading through the, the what you call circulars. They are... Uh, making mutala of it the night before with the highlighter. I, I need it from this store, we need to get this thing, this, this store, we need to get this thing. And many people, they actually make a whole full game plan, like a war plan. 
And I start off, four, you know, three, 4.45 we have to be here. And if it's something very special, then we need to be there at 12 o'clock with our blankets, standing outside, uh, etc. No one goes to black with these youth who are, or any adults who want to go get these type of small amount of few uh, items that are unusually discounted. They don't say, okay, let's walk in at 7 a.m. see what you got there. No. If someone's serious, they have the whole full plan. They know exactly where, what store has got what item, how much is it, where is it located, and ready, prepared, like a, like a battle cry they run in in the morning. So to save a couple hundred dollars, so much effort is done, so much sacrifice. We know, I don't know if it still use happens, but I know previously, people would literally stand 10-12 hours in advance, outside, even in the cold, and they were sitting there in sleeping bags and whatnot. To save two, three hundred. Are these people are poor people who don't have money and that they, they need their, this is medication for their young child who's dying of some disease that is being sold at a discount price, they're buying it? No. This is just indulgence. Indulgence, consumerism, you know, that a person just wants to buy, buy, buy without, without need. And for many people, it's just fun. They could actually easily afford an extra $200. But it's just the, the, the idea, the excitement of all of this. And so much preparation goes into it, before and during. My beloved brothers and sisters, I remind myself and all of us here, how is it that we can enter Ramadan or enter Umrah and Hajj without being prepared, thinking that we're going to get all of it? If we say, well, when we get there, we'll figure it out. Just like now, mashallah, Umrah and Hajj has become easily accessible, alhamdulillah, for people. But we see this many times. A person will go to these blessed lands and will not even know what they're going for. We should go. Okay, that's good. But what are you going to go get there? He goes without scholars, goes without preparation. And unfortunately, they're not able to gain the benefit that they're supposed to. I'm, it has happened to me multiple times when I am in the front, when Allah blessed me to be visiting Madinat al-Munawwara, to be in the, in the uh, Riyadh al-Jannah area previously, you know, when things were open, you didn't have the booking system. And I see sometimes people from America, sometimes people from Middle East, or whatever, walking around, and then they're asking, happen to see me, and they ask me, and they're right there in, in Riyadh al-Jannah, and they're saying, Aina qabr rasul Right? Or walking around, looking, but what are you looking for? I'm looking for where I heard the Prophet is buried here. Where is he buried? Kuch idea ni. But how long have you been here? This is my sixth day here, my fifth day here. SubhanAllah. Something is something, you don't have to go to Medina to know where he's buried. You, everyone and everyone should know from the masjid. Right, when you study Sirah or when you study uh, where that he was buried and then when you look at any picture a person naturally would, would know okay, where is the Rasulullah is not buried at the entrance of some gate in the back to the right or to the left right? he's in the Qibla side under the green dome but we didn't have time to study even that much so now four days later five days later a person is asking where is, where is the Prophet Sallallahu buried a person is in Mecca. How many times have you seen? SubhanAllah. A person has no idea, no idea what tawaf is about, what sa'i is about, what are the barakat around the Kaaba, what is this, what are the anwarat of this place. It is, it's not rocket science, it doesn't require you to study alim program or something. This is something, a few hours, a person can learn all these things. But it is the lack of preparation because of which then a person isn't able to benefit. 
And what are the pitfalls of going for Umrah in Hajj right now? What are, what are, the, what are the roadblocks? What are the spiritual roadblocks? What are the various distractions? What are the don'ts and do's of these places? Where should we not spend our time? Where should we? What are the common ways that people end up wasting their time? A person needs to know all of that. Just like before an exam, like before any other thing, a person learns about it. If they don't, what happens? You eat well, you drink well, you slept well, and you come, it becomes a family vacation. A family vacation. That is one big reason why we see the change is not happening. Change is not happening. Umrah is happening, Hajj is happening, lives aren't being changed. Why are lives not being changed? One ziyarah for the haram, your eyes falling once on the Kaaba, Musharrafah. Eyes falling once on the Prophet ﷺ's Rawdah Mubarak. One ziyarah of Riyadh al-Jannah. One salah in front of the Kaaba. It has the capacity to change a person's life for good, forever. Why is that a person comes back from these blessed lands and finds himself not being able to give up their major sins that they went, had before they even went in? Because they went in unprepared. They didn't know that this place is a place of tawbah. This is the place where I make Allah my witness and I beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala repentance from all my sins. And I make this firm determination never to go back. My beloved brothers and sisters, if tawbah is not made in these blessed lands, what are we doing there? And if tawbah is not made, how do we expect our life to change? It cannot. It won't happen. You have to recognize something is sinful. And you have to be disgusted with that sin. And then you have to beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save you from continuing on that path. Then if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts that, He will give you freedom from that sin. And you will find yourself being able to be free yourself free, set yourself free from being a slave to your nafs. From being a slave to these evils. That happens when a person truly recognizes sin as sin. This is where the ummah is lacking today. This is where we're lacking today. That is preparation is not being done and more specifically recognizing sin as sin, virtue as virtue, sunnah as important, and then repenting to Allah and saying, Ya Allah, I have neglected your commandments. I have neglected the sunnah of your Habib, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, I've done this and this, this and this, this and this, and now I am, I am no longer a little baby. I'm a young adult. I'm a middle-aged man. I'm an old lady. Ya Allah, when is that day going to come when I truly start leading a life that is pleasing to you and that will become, easy, will become a means of preparing me to meet you in the akhirah? That type of concern and fikr when it comes into a person, then what they will do will be different. So the safar of Umrah and the, in the journey through Ramadan is a journey of tawbah, of istighfar. Of, of repentance, of, of ch- change in our, in, in our lives. Some ulama have said that the example of these ibadat sha'aira, these ibadat that are symbols of the deen, right? Like Umrah and Hajj and like Ramadan, these are like the three hours of the exam. And then there is the ibadat, uh, you know, the different ibadat that we have ibadat badaniyah of other sorts or uh, the ibadah of, of, uh, of, of mu'ashara the, the worshipping of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through the social etiquette akhlaq etc all those type of things that this <coughs> these ibadat on the other hand uh, the ones that include akhlaq with our parents with our neighbors uh, akhlaq with our 
family, akhlaq with, uh, with people at work, akhlaq at the people at the masjid. All of these things. This is like the, the rest of the year. The rest of the year. Meaning if a person studied the entire year, then those three hours of exam that they will do well. And if they didn't study the whole year, they'll do bad. Similarly, the one who did not fulfill the rights of his neighbors, his relatives, his spouse, his parents, his children, the one who did not, wasn't careful about how he spent his money or earned his money the rest of the year, then unfortunately will not be able to benefit properly during those 30 days of, of Ramadan and will not be able to benefit properly within those two or three weeks of, of Umrah or Hajj. Because the example of that is three hours of the exam. If you studied throughout the year, you'll do well. If you didn't, you're not going to do well. Similarly, the one who would learn how to control his tongue, learn how to control his eyes, learn how to control his ears, learn how to control his mind, learn how to control his heart, learn how to control his hands and feet, learn how to control what he takes and what he gives, where he spends, where he invests. These type of controlling factors, a person control themselves beforehand, then inshallah when Ramadan comes or Umrah or Hajj comes, they will be able to take the maximum benefit. And if they did not do that, then what happens? Change will not come. So just like I was saying, Umrah and Hajj is not bringing the change within the Ummah the way it should be. You'll see that a person will see that subhanAllah similarly the 1.8 billion people, they're entering into Ramadan and practicing. Those who are fasting, I don't know those numbers. Obviously a lesser degree, naturally. However still, where is that change in the Muslim Ummah? in the Muslim countries, in the Muslim communities, generally speaking, in Ramadan and then after Ramadan for the rest of the year. We are becoming definitely more materialistic, definitely losing our haya and modesty, definitely involved in much, much, much greater and graver sins than ever before in the Ummah. Why is that? Because just like Umrah and Hajj has become a religious vacation, Ramadan has become a 30 days of celebration. 30 days of some sort of misconstrued, misunderstood, misrepresented holiday season. You go to the Muslim world, it is shocking. Sometimes I thank Allah Azza wa Jal profusely for, for allowing me to be born where I am born and living where I live. Because discussing sometimes things with people who, who've lived in Muslim countries, Allahu Akbar, is so shocking. They say, you do atikaf, you have people do atikaf. What is this, atikaf? So we live in a Muslim country, we didn't never saw people doing atikaf in the masjid. Khatm al-Qur'an, oh that was something before used to happen. Now who's doing Khatm al-Qur'an? And, and I said, what do you mean? How, you don't do what he said? No, the first, ten, the first ten days, the first ten days is when a few people come. Really, you talk to people living in some of the most holiest of places of the, of the world. And they'll tell you crazy stories. That it's, they're just being honest and you're sitting there and you're saying, I can't believe it. My community, my wife, my, myself, my parents, remember Ramadan, mashallah, all of you sitting here, you rush to the masjid, you're there and you're there till the end, you pray all your 20 taraweeh and you sit there and you sit for the dars of tafsir afterwards also and last 10 days you try to do full sunnah atikaf or at least you do nafil atikaf and you're, you know, you, you try to come from maghrib, asar till maghrib for iftar every day and I mean, you know, whatever, whatever we can, we fake it till we make it in Ramadan. So, um, they will look and they say, no, there's this, this and I said, what about last thing? He says, this is someone in Mecca was telling me who lives there. And he was, t- he was shocked when I was telling him about the situation in, in our masajid and whatnot. 
He says, I've never heard and never seen any of these type of things. This is like some years ago. He, said, he says, besides the haram, there is absolutely no khatb al-Qur'an anywhere else in any of the masjids. No masjids. He said, we pray, you know, it's, it's really up and down, kiss the ground, super duper duper fast. And um, we don't do khatam. And I never don't know what he's talking about, i'tikaf. I'tikaf was in the haram, yaqi, only in the haram, not in any other masjid. I said, how is it packed during the last 10 days? Khatb al-Qur'an. He said, no, there's no khatam. In last 10 days, this broke my heart. Is when the masjid is the emptiest. I said, how is that possible? He said, no, this last 10 days is preparation for Eid. So as soon as iftar happens, people are busy the entire night in the marketplace. Shopping, buying, preparing for Eid. Uh, he said, 27th night, 25th night, odd nights. We don't know what this is, what's this all about. This is one yani, Arab brother from Saudi was telling me this. I was shocked, you know. And so what, what about the rest of the world? Right? This is in the place This is the place where Wahi has become Where Wahi began This is the place where Revelation began But that's the Ummah is just so, so distant From the reality of Ramadan So distant from the reality of Ramadan And we don't realize how distant they are until Because we are sitting in a bubble And we ask Allah to keep us in a bubble Protect us from all the filth that's around Even in here in this country too Keep us in this bubble But it's the fact that it's, 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 it's regarded as a celebration It's regarded as a month of festivities If you go search online on a newspaper Or, 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 or online some platform about Ramadan Go, go to the images <coughs> Go to images online Type in Ramadan What are you going to see? What are you going to see? Food and celebration. Food, food. You'll see buffet. Yes, get the sweet. Ramadan. I promise you, many non-Muslims probably literally think Ramadan means food. Ramadan means probably a hey, your wedding or something. Oh, tonight Saturday. Tonight is Ramadan. Oh, okay, you're going to some banquet of Ramadan. Yes, something. That's what you think. Ramadan is banquet. Ramadan is is buffet. Ramadan is fried items. Ramadan is ten types of drinks and juices. It has been equated to that because if that's what you see, the focus in any picture. That is, speaking about Ramadan, you'll see it's, it is always a picture of food. People breaking, and they won't have people breaking fast on, you know, half roti and dal. No, it will be a buffet. Most, many, most of how many who, who sits here has four items to eat for dinner? Uh, who has even three items for dinner regularly, right? If you go to invite it somewhere, it's something different. But usually at home, what do we have? One, one roti, one, one, one rice, and one salam. Right, that's it. One item, one gravy, and one rice, one gravy, and and uh, you know some bread. That's it. That's normal. Maybe some salad. Maybe once in a while some fruit and whatnot. So that's our normal home food that we have. How? Where did we get into ten items and twelve items? But that's what Ramadan means. Ramadan means what Ramadan. Roza hota bini, bhai. If you don't have a if you don't have a fried samosa, a fried dumpling. Is this even legit iftar? Do we have to, you know, is, can we even pray Baghdad without that? If we don't have Ruafza, if we don't have three types of ju- fruit juices and whatnot, Pakora, yeah, uh, Pakola, Pakora, everything, right? Everyone's got their own Ramadan bid'at, innovations, every country, every area. And it's such an emphasis on food and such an emphasis on, on festivities. And they say, you know, Bachonko, you know, for the kids, the kids need to know that it's Ramadan. What are, you, what are we teaching our kids? We're teaching our kids that this is the month. Of eating excess, of gaining weight, of, of what you call eating mul- a multitude of foods. That is a complete, that's not what you're supposed to teach your kids. We're supposed to teach our kids that this is a month of hunger. 
you're crying. The son, daughter comes to me crying, saying, what, what's wrong? Thank you. This is what Ramadan is supposed to be. But how long we've got? I haven't eaten anything. I'm feeling starving. There you go. Yes. And guess what? You starve also. And in iftar time, you can eat simple. This is what Ramadan is about. You have to feel what those kids are going through. One, one brother coming from Turkey, Turkish Assyrian region one was telling me, he said he was there recently handing out food and packets. And he said, I saw this like seven, eight year old kid. He said, I gave him a pa- packet of, 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 you know, of chocolates and some cookies and I don't know, something of that sort. And he said, this six, seven year old just looked at me and I was giving him this. And he said, he just looked at me just like this. And just literally like looking right through me. He lost his mom, dad, lost his siblings, all under the rubble, died. He was the only surviving kid. And he said, they'll forget about bringing a smile on his face. He said, it didn't, he just looked like a zombie. Why? He's, he's traumatized. He can't believe what has happened to him. He's lost his whole family. And he's like under 10 years old. No one alive. Right? Imagine what this is life every day. Now he just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Had a bad dream. No, this is his life. Everyone's gone. That is that, what that child is going through. And millions of people, millions of people are going through extreme, extreme suffering. Before this earthquake, in the, in the Horn of Africa, the worst drought in, in decades. You've heard me speaking about this before too. Expected by the season ending, yani by the time the summer comes, 500,000, between 350 to 500,000 people would have died, not out of a bomb or an earthquake, where things die instant, you die instantaneously. Dying out of slowly starving to death. Slowly starving to death. How can we ask, answer Allah Azza wa Jal, that we didn't do anything, and we didn't feel the pain, we didn't shed a tear, we didn't cry, we didn't make dua. And instead in Ramadan, instead of connecting with such people, we ended up overindulging and overeating. Ramadan is about feeling the pain of those who have been tested by poverty. Feeling the pain of those who have been tested by hunger. That we willingly put ourselves through hunger to, make, to understand what it feels like for those people who have been forced into hunger. And then we make shukr at iftar. And we make shukr at suhoor. That subhanAllah we have so much. So the whole concept of Ramadan in our mind must change. We must give the true example of Ramadan to our children. The way it was during the house of Rasulullah The way it was in the houses of Sahaba and the way it was in the houses of Salaf. That this is the month of <coughs> Muasat. This is the month of, of taking care of one another's needs. This is the month of Sadaqah. This is the month of beautiful Akhlaq. This is the month of forbearance. This is the month of forgiveness to, of one another and all the usurping of rights and the bad blood, as they say, people have for one another. And the anger and the frustration and the pent-up anger that people have towards their own family members. This is the month to give up all those grudges. This is the month to give Sadaqah of your honor for the sake of Allah. This is the month to forgive people for good and not hold grudges against one another. This is the month to start talking with people who we've stopped speaking with. This is the month of mending relations with people who we have not had, had, had communication with for a long time. And this is the month of feeling the pain what others are going and giving not only zakat but our sadaqah. And so a person will be able to make the most use of this blessed month if they go, so if they go, if they go enter it in a state of preparedness. So that is why the Salaf, you have heard, that six months prior to the coming of Ramadan, they would be spending in preparing for this month. Six months prior to Ramadan, 
they would start preparing. And after Ramadan would be completed, the next six months, they would be asking and begging Allah for acceptance. For the next six months, they would be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the acceptance. So the entire year is rotating around Ramadan. Preparation for it, and then asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala acceptance. You've heard that before. So where, why are the mistakes? What is one big reason why Ram, just like Umrah and Hajj is not allowing people the after, after Umrah and Hajj people's lives are not changing many times and why in Ramadan also life is not changing is because one key thing I want to highlight is the absence of Tawbah absence of Tawbah a person cannot do Tawbah until he number one acknowledges he's sinful I was speaking with someone you know just recently and I said subhanAllah we, we, can, we may have a habit we might be in our 60s or 50s 30s, we are addicted to certain habits, say of bad character, say of being arrogant, coming off as arrogant, coming off as narcissistic, coming off as full of ourselves, coming off as conceited. Maybe we find ourselves not having love for our spouse, love for our parents, love for our children, being selfish, not going out of our way to it. We have these habits. And, but if we recognize these habits and realize that these are not good habits, of course they're not good. We know that. But to recognize that this is what I'm doing. And then say, Ya Allah, please forgive me. This is horrible. I can't believe my beard has gone white. And I'm still stuck with these type of things. You know, when am I going to repent? I still haven't given up grudges. I still haven't given up bad character. I still haven't given up raising my voice unnecessarily all the time. I still haven't given up with harshness unnecessarily all the time. Etc, etc. So if a person does not recognize these weaknesses within themselves by looking into the mirror and saying, okay, this is what I got, issue, issue number one, issue number two, issue number three. And then sitting down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and categorically, one by one, listing it off. Ya Allah, I have this mistake. Ya Allah, I have this flaw. Ya Allah, this character flaw. Ya Allah, this spiritual disease. Ya Allah, please get me out of this. Until this, this type of analysis, this type of self-auditing, if it doesn't happen, nothing can possibly ever change. It just won't. How can it? If you don't recognize your, your issue of your tire needs to be changed, your bumper needs to be changed, why, how will it all of a sudden you go to your outside and the parking lot is changed? It's not going to happen. We have to do an assessment. You've got to take it to a mechanic. Mechanic will tell you you've got 10 items here messed up. Um, we don't know. If you don't know a mechanic, you have no idea. You'll do a diagnostic test and it'll tell you all these things are messed up. Your oil is messed up too, this thing and that thing. And then you get a change. It doesn't take for long. It might take six hours, eight hours, one day in the shop, two days in the shop. You'll get what you need. But it requires an assessment. It requires putting the car into the shop. So Ramadan is the perfect time to be in the shop. But if our car is in the shop, we left it for one week, but the guy had no time to lift up the car and look under. Just by having a car in the parking lot of the auto body or auto mechanic shop will not help. Having it inside the garage, but he's not working on it, not lifting it up, is not going to help. Suhbah doesn't help here. You cannot say at least have the suhbah of the mechanic, suhbah of the auto sh- body shop for one month, one week. It's not going to help. It has to be worked upon. Diagnostic tests have to be put through. It, the car has to be put through diagnostic tests. So this is what the hap- and must happen to the, to the spirit and the soul of all of us. That Ramadan is here, but our mere presence in Ramadan, unfortunately, by itself is not, may necessarily, may not help us unless we put ourselves through these diagnostic tests. 
A portion of this diagnostic test, a person comes through what we call muhasaba. Where a person just sits down, you don't need to go somewhere, you can sit in a corner of the masjid, you can sit in the parking lot, you can sit in your driveway, you can sit in your, in your bed, you can sit on your sofa, you can sit there and just sit and ask yourself questions. What's going on with my life? Like, okay, let's, this is downtime. Away from the technology, away from the phone, away from children and family. And say, let me sit down and say, Bhai, today, if today by, is my janazah, tonight, if tonight is my janazah, how will I do on my first night in the grave? How will I do when the, when the Munkar Nakir descend in my grave and ask me questions? Do, do I owe anyone still money? Do I have any qada salah? Do I have any qada fast? Do I have any qada or zakat? Okay, do I have any major or minor sins that I have not even regarded as a sin? And so I, hence I haven't repented from. How about from my eyes? How about from my ears? How about from my hands, my feet? How about related to money? How about related to tongue? How about related to my family members, relatives, in-laws? What I said 20 years ago, five years ago, this fight, that fight, from this one, that one. It takes time to reflect. And it's a very painful process. But you have to be hard on yourself. And by the end of it, you might not have the courage to even look in the mirror. You might not have courage to even stand up. But that's necessary. If you are alive and I'm alive and we're breathing, we still can repent. Right then and there, we can cry and ask Allah for forgiveness wherever we are sitting. And it can all literally be over right there and then. And nadamatu hiya tawbah. Remorse itself is tawbah. Remorse itself is tawbah. The one who repents from a sin is like the one who's never committed a sin. Right? In Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala awaits for the person, Musi'un Nahar, the one who committed sin all day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala waits every evening for the one who's committed sin all day to repent. And Allah waits every morning for the one who committed sin all night to repent. And in Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is willing to accept the tawbah of a person as long as the death rattle has not begun. So, and, and, and subhanAllah, so many other hadith that are there regarding tawbah. So it doesn't, right then in that same majlis, we can seek forgiveness, same gathering, same sitting, we can seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and it will be over, inshaAllah. Allah will, inshaAllah, we should have this hope, Allah will accept our tawbah. And then now we just make sure that if we owe something, we pay it back. If qada has to be made, we do that. If someone we need to seek forgiveness from them, we do that. Uh, we have come up with a game plan. How am I going to not miss my prayers anymore? How am I going to stay away from these sins anymore? How am I going to save myself from wasting time? All of these things, we come up with a game plan. So in, if we want to benefit from this blessed Ramadan, Every single day and every single night, it needs to be of tawbah and istighfar. Tawbah and istighfar. Tawbah and istighfar. And tawbah and istighfar should not be general. It should be specific. We need to sit down. So muhasaba is really benef- number one. Self, uh, self-check. Number two is where we then sit with a mentor, a teacher, a sheikh, an experienced person in spirituality. And we take their advice, and we present ourselves to them, and ask them also to, to, to do a diagnostic test on us, to ask us the right questions, to see, by what should I do? You ask me, I'm at this age, at 40, where should I be in my life? What should be my relationship? Let the mentor, let the shaykh, let the experienced person look at us, ask us the questions, like the doctor does a, 
um, gives you a, a bill of health, be it you know pass or fail. He does a, runs a bunch of tests on you, and he tells you you're in good shape or in bad shape. So this is what these spiritual doctors do, and mentors do, is they will look and they will see what level of dhikr are you doing every day, what level of dhikr is your heart doing every day, what type of sins have you stayed away from, what is your relationship with the people at home. <clears throat> and uh, do you understand what it means to be a good mother, to be a good wife, to be a good husband, to be a good father? Because these are all things that are misunderstood now. People don't understand what it means to be any of those things. Subhanallah. Every single thing is nafsi, 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 nafsi. Me, myself, and I. So the, the selfishness is, is the, the order of the day. Even between parents and children. Parents being selfish, not the way that our elders used to be. And of course, children being selfish naturally. That's, of course, that's happening. And then spouses also being selfish. It's about my rights and not about what I can do for others or what I need to do for others. It's about what is it in for me. Just recently, such a painful story I heard of a, of, of, you know, a very expensive wedding, very, very expensive wedding, falling apart. And what is that? The wife says, you know, every, every person needs to be doing their own laundry. Well, you do your own laundry, I do my own laundry. After that, they, have to, they left the, the huge house they had. They left, left, their, left that, and now I don't know what's happening. But like these type of bachmana, you know, childish type of stuff, childish type of, of, of useless type of things. Not, not only the wife's fault, husband's fault, everyone's fault, but it's just these are the things that are happening today. There's no deen in the homes. No deen in the homes. That's where you have a mentor and a sheikh to say, okay, fine. I listen and I obey. You tell me what is it? What's right with me? What's wrong with me? How am I, what are the mistakes I'm making? <clears throat> so muhasaba, self-muhasaba, reflection, and then sitting with someone, honorable, or someone who is knowledgeable in these fields, and asking them what to, what to say. Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi alayhi, he mentions regarding tawbah, that you know, one of the key things for that is a person needs to have ilm, ilmun wa halun wa amalun. Three things. And so, what is the ilm? Number one, knowledge at Tawbah is you, you, not only do we need to have knowledge of what Allah wants and what He doesn't want. What, does Rasulullah, what did Rasulullah sallallahu do and what He did not do. But additionally, we have to have knowledge of our own mistakes. So knowledge of what's right, what's expected from me, and knowledge of what I'm doing wrong. Without that, a person cannot repent. There was a person, companion of the Prophet sallallahu who was performing salah. The Prophet ﷺ told him, uh, go ahead and repeat your salah. Because you didn't pray. He went and repeated his salah. Prophet ﷺ, go repeat it again. He, you didn't pray. He prayed it a third time. He said, go repeat it again. You didn't pray. And then he thought, man, this I tried all the three. Let me go ask. So he came and asked. And the Prophet ﷺ then, you know, taught him, instructed him, that of the importance of ta'dirul arkan, the importance of all the, uh, the, the arkan of salah and the postures of salah to be done properly. And that a person needs to uh, no, not do any rolling stops. When you just stop for ruku'ah, you know what a rolling stop is, right? When you just you don't stop at the stop sign, you just stop slowly. It's still at five miles an hour, you look around and move on. And get you a ticket for that. So you cannot, you cannot just stop going to ruku'ah and say, okay, let me just, before I even stop fully, just get up again. Before I go into sajda, before I, before I fully stop in sajda, get up again. So this is not proper at all. Uh, a person needs to do proper ruku, proper sujood, proper qiyam, proper qawma, proper qa'da. Every single thing 
a person needs to do, come to a full stop before moving on to the next posture. And in one narration, the Prophet ﷺ told a person who had his garment, lower, his lower garment, his, his, his lower garment, his pants or whatever, below the ankle, the Prophet ﷺ ordered that person to repeat the prayer. Okay. So, yani, uh, this is not one of the arkan, but it is something that will, that Nabi ﷺ corrected him, that the real spirituality of salah, if a person is leading, is, is doing something which would be a sign of arrogance. How can he be standing up for prayer like that? But this companion, he had to ask. If you don't ask, you won't know what you're doing wrong. You can keep on repeating things, you will never know what's wrong. So this is the whole idea, is that for salah as well, <coughs> for our salah, for our wudu, for our life, general, we need to sit with the mentor, we need to sit with the teacher, and we need to say, okay, well, tell me what's wrong. We could sit with our grandparents, sit with our parents, sit with our elders and ask them, please tell me what, am I, what mistakes I'm doing. Many times, the people around us, they snicker, they laugh behind our back, they make fun of us, they speak ill of us, because of our, they're going to get their own sin of making fun of us or backbiting, whatever. But the reason they're doing that is because we have very horrible, evil habits. They say that time, Nabi Sallallahu said, a time will come, ukrima rajulu makhafata sharrihi. A man is honored simply because people are afraid of his evil. They're standing up, they're saluting him, they're saying, yes sir, please come. They don't like him. They have no respect for him. It's the fact that, man, this guy, we just want to just let him come. He came into our store, he came into our home, he came to this dawat. With afiyah, let him leave. Otherwise, his tongue is so dangerous. Alright, so that's why let's not say anything, let's just smile to sir and let's say some nice words. Not that we like him, we hate him. But we want to protect ourselves from his evil. Like what, this is so despicable. This is so despicable. So sometimes the people around us, they actually truly don't like us. People don't like us because of our akhlaq, because of our character. And we don't realize that. So by asking sometimes the people who we work with, sometimes the people who we are you know, at home, the closest to us, simply asking that, you know what, any type of uh, char- character flaw that you see in myself, instead of you telling the whole world, I would rather you tell me so I can actually change. Because I'm going to have to face the repercussions of this in the grave, if I, if I go to the grave without being changed. So I request you that if you see something wrong within me, that you actually correct me, or let me know. Otherwise, how, I'm, how am I going to know about this? Because de- it's very hard to figure these things out. So Imam Ghazali says that ilm is necessary For without that a person cannot do proper tawbah And then a person needs to uh, After you recognize what you, what, you, what you have done Is the amal, the action So you have to rectify what happened in the past You have to stop right now what you're involved in And then you have to have a commitment not to go back to that in the future. So this is the amal part. Past, present, and future, there's something to do for all three. For the past, we feel guilty, remorseful. For the present, we stop immediately. And for the future, a firm determination not to go forward. Okay. So, a person, if he goes into Ramadan saying that uh, this sin that I'm involved in, don't worry, in Ramadan I won't be doing it. There's many people who have actually told me this. When I sit with them, like, yeah, for month of Ramadan, I will not be t- giving interest. Or month of Ramadan, I will not be taking interest. Or for the month of Ramadan, I will not be watching this haram stuff. Or for a month of Ramadan, I will not be listening to haram. 
They actually themselves saying for the month of Ramadan, how will a person ever change if you from the very get-go are saying, I'm not making tawbah, I'm simply pausing it for Ramadan. Isn't this a problem? How, this is like the most widespread issue. The people think that Ramadan is a time when I will stop doing XYZ sin. MashaAllah, that's good. But this is not tawbah. Wallahi, this is not, cannot be tawbah. If a person says, I'm not doing it now, but I have full intention to start as soon as Ramadan finishes. That's not in Tawbah. That is not Tawbah because the condition of Tawbah, condition, rukn of Tawbah is a person makes a determination not to go toward back to it again. But you're already saying that after Ramadan, I'm going to restart up this thing again. This is the Ramadan, you know, Ramadan uh, deen that I have. Oh, that's not Tawbah then. That's good that we're respecting Ramadan. Like they do ceasefire in Ramadan sometimes and whatever else, you know. Unfortunately, some, you know, so much war is happening in the Muslim world. But that's, that's not the end of the war then. That's, you're just telling us that you're going to start up again after Ramadan. So see, this is where shaitan plays tricks with us. Right now we have two weeks. We have the 50th night of Sha'ban coming on Monday night. This is the time for us to uh, figure out by now, let's not wait till Ramadan starts. What are my major flaws? Especially not only ibadat, badaniyah, not only in my ibadah, and my worship, my relationship between myself and Allah, but in my akhlaq, in my mu'amalat, my dealings, social dealings, financial dealings. What are my major issues? Today the biggest sins are happening by the uh, tongue and by the eyes. That's what Rasulullah sallallahu said, man yadban li ma bayna fakhidehi wa ma bayna lihayehi adban lahu jannah kama qala sallallahu alayhi whoever guarantees for me whatever is to protect whatever is between his jaws and whatever is between his thighs whoever protects whoever guarantees that he will be careful for that which is between his jaws and that which is between his thighs adman lahu jannah i will guarantee for him paradise this is where it is so ramadan helps us because it challenges the nafs we're starving our nafs not eating, etc. This will, this will help us, inshallah, get rid of those other big major flaws. But let us not enter this month thinking that we're stopping just for this month. Let us enter this month, inshallah, with this firm resolve that we will not go back to it ever again. And let's not wait for till Ramadan to stop, stop the bad and start the good. Let's start right now. So that is why this three days that is coming, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, no. Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, this Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, 13th, 14th, and 15th. At least, inshallah, let's all make firm resolve, inshallah, to fast these three days. The 13th, 14th, and the 15th of the month. This is the established sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, to always fast on these three days of the month. First three, three days he always used to fast, and especially these three days. Of course, additionally, beyond that, Rasulullah would fast on Mondays and Thursdays. And additionally, the Prophet ﷺ used to fast almost almost continuously in the first 15 days of Shaban. So if we have not, mashallah, I know many brothers have and sisters have fasted a lot in Shaban, but at least this next, this weekend, now we're here, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, let us try our best to fast these three days. And number two, let us be prepared for Monday night, come here, uh, 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 start, start your ibadah, it's a night of Tawbah, night of Istighfar, 15th night of Shaban is, is here, starts Monday at Maghrib, do whatever you can, inshallah at home. Uh, if you cannot do, do too much, at least don't do sin. Number one. And number two, we should dedicate some time to, same thing, what I've been speaking about, perform some, some qadha salah, 
If you have no qada salah, then perform some nafil salah. Then after that, recite some Quran, do some tilawa. After that, do some dhikr, tasbihat, la ilaha illallah, astaghfirullah, salawat upon the Prophet some tasbihat, recite surah yasin, recite of course your evening surahs that we should recite throughout the year, of surah mulk, surah sajda, surah waqi'ah, right? And then, uh, give some sadaqah and charity. And last but not least, make some nice beautiful dua. So these five things we can do. Uh, uh, we, I know it's a working day, yes. So, but we can this ibadah and things we can do at Maghrib. So be prepared from on Monday Maghrib that we will spend the time, you know, we'll have our iftar and then do some ibadah from Maghrib to Isha. And, or, uh, and then after Isha, we'll have our, our, our weekly dars here anyway. Mufti Minhaj will be doing his weekly dars, inshallah, and there's more emphasis uh, on, um, on this issue of 15th night of Shaban and the discussions about it, etc. So his talk will be after Isha. But let's not think that we are going to wait till the Isha talk, phir chai pinge, phir, you know, we'll go home first, make some chai, or go to a coffee shop and make, buy some chai. And then after that, we'll start. This reminds me during exam days. During exam, madrasa days when we're in exam week, many times some of the students, bichara, you know, who didn't really study too well, or not, after you say, oh, I'm going to study. Tomorrow's exam, I'm going to study. Okay, how do you say, don't know, but in order for me to study, first I have to have some chai. So we still have a part of that crew sometimes, you know. We go, so we go, you go make chai. How long, man? Over there, you gotta go to the store, go in the madrasa, go buy the milk. Then go, oh, then you see in your room, you don't have tea bags. Then you go around the boarding chart, hey, bye, who's got tea bags? They say, by tonight, tonight we have to have strong chai, some nice one. Huh? So let's go find some ilechi. You're gonna spend 20 minutes looking for ilechi. No one's gonna have that. And you bring all the time. By the time your chai is made, it boiled over, you're cleaning up the microwave, and then you pour it into the thermos, try to find some, borrow someone's thermos. Then you say, why, how can you just have chai? You know what, man, we have to study all night. We need to have some snacks too, chai and why also. So let's go get some, some biscuits from somewhere. Let's go find some other thing. So mashallah, by the time you come, oh, you have no energy. You're, you're in the masjid now to study. At 12 o'clock, you're bringing your chai. Oh, mashallah, those people have been studying there for the past four hours. They said, bye. Ah, Mubarak to you. I'm gonna sleep. It's already 12 o'clock. Tomorrow is imtihan. I need at least five hours of sleep. Okay, so I'm better off. Sit there in a corner with your chai and your biscuit and nowhere to study with. So there are some people like that. This is not right. They missed the point that we have to actually study not to sit there and just drink chai. Many madrasa students from will remember this these these stories. So I can relate to what I'm saying. So <clears throat> So this is the night, subhanAllah, of starting ibadah as soon as possible, from Maghrib onwards, or whatever you can. Tell the family from now, tell the kids from now, by Monday night is the night of extra ibadah, inshallah, extra tawbah and istighfar. So we can end our ayyami bidh, which will end on Tuesday, inshallah, with this uh, beautiful, um, uh, you know, ibadah and dhikr and so forth. And then I was saying is that we should make a plan, right, from now, before the arrival of Ramadan, of what are our achievements in Ramadan. What are achievements of Ramah? What are we trying to do? For example, how many khatm al-Qur'an will we make? Right? How, much, how, how many qada salah will we make up in Ramadan? Qada salah will we make up in Ramadan? If we have extra payments, see another very big misconception that I want to give a lot of sadaqah. Okay, but he is sitting behind on millions or hundreds of thousands in interest payments. But why? Well, how is this jais? How is it? Where is this logic behind this? A person is giving sadaqah, and then he has to pay huge interest, and he said, yeah, it's okay. It's a 30-year loan. Allah SWT said, you have the energy, mashallah, to fight with Allah for 30 years. 
Allah announces that yeah, listen from me an announcement of war with Allah and His Prophet if you indulge in the usury and interest giving or taking so if we have disposable income we have extra give it to pay off your loans this is the key thing as much as possible become loan debt free again why will we get a tawfiq of being debt free when we don't even care about the sin 20 year, 30 year loan and it's just like yeah whatever it's, it's become so normalized that people will you know openly even talk about it without even shamelessly will say I have a 20 year loan on this and a 10 year loan on this and so forth so where's the, where's the tawfiq for the tawbah going to come this is that month to make payments and then to beg Allah to get you out of that la'na and curse as soon as possible right so these are uh, things that we make a goal from now that this month I'm going to do this much qada salah this month this much in, uh, you know get out of uh, payments um, of haram payment you know getting rid of my haram money this month I am going to uh, break all of these bad habits my beloved brothers and sisters I remind myself and all of us to please write this, write this down write it down on your phone write it down on a piece of paper these are my goals these are my goals. These are the new habits I'm going to build for the rest of my life. And these are the bad habits that I'm going to remove for the rest of my life. Not for 30 days, for the rest of my life. That discussion should not happen in the midst of Ramadan. That's why I'm having this discussion now for myself and all of us here. We need to have this down now. And one is you sit with your spouse and you can discuss together. What are some of the issues that we both have? What are the issues that we have in our family? If husband and wife can be on the same page, I'm not saying for everything you have to have a discussion. Husband and wife can do their own personal downtime as well. But there are certain very big major things in our family. If mom and dad or husband and wife together agree that we're going to take this out of our family, or take this out of our home, then only that stuff will come out. All right? Say, like not dealing salah till the last second. Say praying salah on time. Or all the men definitely going to the masjid for, the, for Fajr and Aisha or whatever else, on weekends, even Dhuhr Asr, etc. If we make mashur about this, and say, okay, these are things from this Ramadan onwards we're going to change about ourselves. Then inshallah, things will happen. So those type of muhasaba, my beloved brothers and sisters, should be done in this blessed month. Ishaf uh, Shaban, before the arrival of Ramadan. Quran khatams, uh, a person should try to make full niyyah of Quran, as much as Quran khatam as possible. Um, I didn't have the, I, I know that I think the cards are printed, but they haven't been picked up yet, so I don't have them here. We'll try to have them as soon as possible in the, uh, you know, uh, out here. So these cards, subhanAllah, a person, we're going to have, like we have the salawat card and istighfar card, a person can have the khatm uh, al-Quran card we've designed. So every juice that you recite, you can just mark it. Mark it on that card. So hopefully, inshallah, by Eid, we'll have completed one khatam, one and a half khatam, two khatam, three khatam, as many as, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. And for the sake of encouragement, I'm telling you, a sake of encouragement, and we won't be able to achieve anything without niyyah. There's many hufas. How many hufas there are? We have thousands. Every single person sitting here probably has at least one half is in their family. If not more. But subhanAllah, it's not just enough to be a half, it's about how much we read. So I, I'm so honored to be, and so are you, to be surrounded with amazing students of knowledge. So in the madrasa, I'm asking all the classes to make, every student to make their own personal goal of how much they're going to recite. So Alhamdulillah, one of the boys, you know, who's in an advanced year of Alim program, meaning they have to study a lot. MashaAllah, he made niyyah. 
and I know this student, he's not just fluffing. You know, he, he, when he says something, he means it and he does it. Alhamdulillah. He made niya, alhamdulillah, to do in the month of Ramadan, while the madrasa is running, first 20 days we have classes. MashaAllah, he made niya to do one khatam per day. One khatam Quran per day. And is this something unheard of? Absolutely not. Hazrat Uthman radiallahu anhu, you heard, used to do one khatam in one rakah of witr every single day. Khatam of Quran in one rakah of witr. In one rakah, the entire Quran, from the earliest era, Uthman radiallahu anhu, and the salaf had done that. So a person the, can achieve amazing things if you make niyyah, is what I'm saying. So those of us who have never done a khatam ever in Ramadan, let's make niyyah. This Ramadan is going to be different. I'm going to do one khatam. Those of us who always do one, let's make niyyah that will do two. Those of you who have done three, let's make niyyah that will do four. And don't wait till the first of Ramadan to start, start right now. Kareem, inshallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. <coughs> let's do a few minutes of dhikr. <coughs>